This is Berkeley Voices. I'm Ann Bryce. The U.S. Transcontinental Railroad is considered one of the biggest accomplishments in American history. Completed in 1869, it was the first railroad to connect the East to the West. It cut months off trips across the country and opened up Western trade of goods and ideas throughout the U.S. But building the railroad was treacherous, brutal work. And the companies leading the railroad project had a hard time retaining American workers. So they began to recruit newly arrived immigrants for the job, mainly Chinese and Irish. Until recent years, these immigrants, who risked their lives to construct the railroad, have largely been left out of the story. Immigrants really, you know, um, they did the most difficult jobs and largely for the development of America's infrastructure. Hidetaki Hirota is an associate professor of history at UC Berkeley. His major area of research is 19th century U.S. immigration history. And if you work in railroad construction, accidental falls of rocks, you know, avalanche, of, you know, snow, you know, those things were always there. You know, this is the age of cutthroat capitalist competition. And this is the before the age of governmental regulation of labor conditions. So little protection was provided to little concern, right, was there about immigrants' uh, welfare, you know, workers' rights. Those things uh, did not really exist. Construction for the Transcontinental Railroad began in 1862. The two competing companies awarded the project, Central Pacific in California and Union Pacific in Nebraska, built eastward and westward to meet in the middle. Each company's labor force was based on location and connections. In Nebraska, workers were mostly Irish immigrants, Civil War veterans, and African Americans, many of whom were enslaved until the end of the war in 1865. And in California, the Chinese made up a majority of the laborers. At its peak, about 90% of the railroad workforce was Chinese. Immigrant workers were aggressively recruited in all sorts of ways. Some Chinese and other groups had already come to California during the gold rush in the 1850s. Some were approached by agents when they first arrived at ports or boarding houses, and toward the end of the project, many were recruited from their home countries. But while the U.S. wanted these foreigners for their labor, the workers, especially the Chinese, were met with open hostility by American society. You know, railroad companies obviously valued Chinese uh, labor because it was cheaper than uh, white white labor. So in this sense, yeah, you know, Chinese were quote unquote, you know, welcomed, right? But then um, the other side was this growing anti-Chinese uh, hostility. California governor, you know, uh, John Bigler, famously uh, publicly accused the Chinese of uh, stealing America's wealth. And um, Bigler characterized Chinese as thieves, outsiders uh, to the United States and an inferior race um, that disturbed the, the, the peace and tranquility of California. Peace and tranquility is actually uh, his actual original words. In one of Professor Hirota's current book projects, The American Dilemma, he writes about the tension between American nativism against foreigners and the demand for their labor. One of the, cons- the most consistent lines of anti-immigrant sentiment or argument in the U.S. was this critique of immigrant labor, right? Um, 
opponents of immigration criticized foreign workers for allegedly lowering Americans, uh, I mean, the wage standards, and as a result, threatening Americans' employment and ultimately American democracy. Um, and, and obviously, this is not simply economic argument because racism and eth- ethnic prejudice often aggravated uh, these views. But at the same time, you know, industrial, commercial, economic development of the United States created, you know, insatiable, you know, uh, unlimited, unlimited demand for immigrant, immigrant labor. And as a result, um, this reality really made immigration restriction an unpopular policy uh, for capitalists and business owners. Although a lot is known about how the Transcontinental Railroad was constructed and its role in westward expansion, says Hirota, very little is known about the everyday lives of the laborers who made the railroad possible. There is a, a logistical problem of studying the subject. You know, so in general, sources for immigrant workers are historical. Historical sources, documents on immigrant workers are very limited. So um, you can take a look. We can definitely get access to um, records of railroad companies that employ the immigrant workers. Um, but in, in, when it comes to the materials produced by the immigrants themselves, um, the vol- uh, I mean, the, the information is uh, limited, sadly. You know, um, we, we're not talking about kinds of immigrants who constantly wrote diaries and you know, everything about their lives, right? In recent years, though, there has been a new emphasis on reframing the narrative to include the perspectives, contributions, and struggles of railroad workers, not only in scholarship, but in the arts. Stanford University's Chinese Railroad Workers in North America project recovered Chinese railroad worker history with the help of hundreds of scholars, students, and volunteers from around the world. Alexander Craghead, a Berkeley professor of American studies and one of the nation's preeminent railroad scholars, co-edited the 2022 book, Continuity and Change, The Lore of North American Railroads, which explores the photography of contemporary railroading in North America and the passage of time. And on Friday, November 17th, UC Berkeley's Cal Performances is presenting American Railroad by Silk Road Ensemble. It's part of Cal Performance's programming for the series Illuminations, Individual and Community, for the 2023-24 season. The performance tells the story of the many communities who built the Transcontinental Railroad by weaving together elements of their music and culture of the time and throughout history. My name is Kaoru Watanabe. I am a musician in the group. I also compose for the ensemble. Um, my instruments are Japanese drums and Japanese flutes. The Grammy award-winning Silk Road Ensemble was created in the late 1990s by cellist Yo-Yo Ma to bring together musicians from all over the world, bridging Asia, Europe, Africa, and the Middle East. The idea was, even though people had different languages and uh, traditions, musical styles, um, concepts of, of rhythm and melody, and, and tuning even, um, that we could come together. And these musicians can work together, creating new harmonies and new kind of vocabularies in which to have conversations, musical conversations. 
Their current project, American Railroad, was conceived by artistic director Rhiannon Giddens, who joined the ensemble in 2020. Giddens is a celebrated vocalist, banjoist, and fiddle player, a Pulitzer Prize winner, and two-time Grammy winner, and a MacArthur Fellow. And the idea is to tell the history of America, of how we went from um, pre-Europeans uh, coming over and, uh, you know, indigenous people being here, and then how this influx of immigra- immigrants from all over the world and, and enslaved people being brought in, and how um, that changed the landscape, both the actual, but also the, you know, the emotional and, and um, cultural landscape of, of America, and how... <clears throat> Many people benefited greatly from the advent of the American Railroad, but how many people, um, their lives were completely destroyed. Whole communities and whole um, peoples were were destroyed. Their livelihoods and their lives were were taken from them. Um, And so it's it's, uh, a, a sort of celebration of how the the world had shifted and and a celebration of the people who sacrificed and and whether you know on their own terms or the, that were made to sacrifice um, in order for us to be where we are today. For the project, Silk Road Ensemble members traveled around the country and spoke with scholars, historians, and musicologists, as well as musicians and composers, to learn the stories of the people whose lives were shaped, often in heartbreaking ways, in the name of American progress. From there, ensemble members and outside composers created new songs inspired by the narratives and history and music of the time, while also infusing the songs with their own experiences and aesthetics. As an artist, as a musician, I, I put, try to put my mind and my body into those states and, and try to imagine what those experiences were like. When I was in Arkansas, Bennington, Arkansas, we did a project, and we were speaking with a local historian there, and we learned about hobo signs. And it's these basically signs that migrant workers, when they were jumping on and off of trains, would scratch into the back of a of another sign or on the side of a wall of a building. And these signs were visible from the train and would tell other folks uh, a message. And the message could be, beware of dog or danger, do not get off the train. Or there is work and food available here. Or there is medical care available here. We we did a song where we improvised um, off of... um, these signs, and so we would we would went through like three or four signs, and the first sign was "Beware of dog," and so we did an improvisation of "Beware of dog," um, and and we played with the audience, and we had the audience look and try to uh, you know interpret it in their own way, and, and we talked about what the signs meant and how, who who was doing it and when it was happening, um, and so the idea of again uh, looking at these these um, artifacts. And, and and hearing these narratives and and interpreting them in our own way um, has been a really exciting process. 
Watanabe, who went to a conservatory for Black American jazz and whose parents are Western classical musicians from Japan, says that within each musician in Silk Road Ensemble, there are so many different musical backgrounds and cultures percolating and brewing together. Whether it's you know a, a Chinese pipa player or a, uh, a a banjo player from North Carolina or a um, you know in, in the ensemble we have uh, Lebanese oud players we have uh, balafon players um, from Ghana so we have musicians from all over the world and then we we stylistically um, the music you'll hear elements of music from all around the world. The idea of, of the voice, both literal and, and um, metaphorical, is, is very, I think, important to Silk Road Ensemble. You know, the voice of these instruments, uh, the voice of, of the singers in the group, and so how these voices, again, can, can come together in harmony without having their own essences being diminished. So we're, we're celebrating the essence of each individual voice while coming together. After the Transcontinental Railroad was completed in 1869, the Chinese and others who worked on the railroad stayed in the U.S. They continued to work on the rails, building more networks, and maintaining existing rails. And they entered other sectors, like manufacturing and agriculture. Their populations grew, and they became part of American society. Hiroshi says that the experiences of Chinese railroad workers have shaped the way we discuss immigration today including undocumented immigration, immigration reform, and perception of immigrants. And this tension, this American dilemma of wanting the cheap labor of immigrants, but not wanting them to make the U.S. their home, remains a contentious issue in American society. The contributions of the Chinese and other immigrant communities to the U.S., says Hirota, are immense. And he feels obligated to teach this history to his students. I'm Anne Bryce, and this is Berkeley Voices. Professors Craghead and Hirota will participate with other Berkeley faculty members in a pre-performance panel discussion, Memory, Identity, and Pastness, Considering the American Railroad. The event will be on Friday, November 17th at 6.30 at the Bears Lair on campus. The event is free and open to the public. No tickets or reservations are required. To learn more about Silk Road Ensemble's American Railroad and to see related events, visit Cal Performance's website at calperformances.org. There, you can also read more about the history of the U.S. Transcontinental Railroad on its blog, Beyond the Stage. Berkeley Voices is a Berkeley News podcast from the Office of Communications and Public Affairs at UC Berkeley. You can follow us wherever you get your podcasts. We also have another show, Berkeley Talks, which features lectures and conversations at Berkeley. You can find all of our podcast episodes with transcripts and photos on Berkeley News at news.berkeley.edu slash podcasts.